Every great film should seem new every time you see it. Welcome to the Midnight Film Review, or, you know, not, whatever, who knows, episode 121, my name's Colin Smith, coming at you live with a fake out, my co-host, Brian Stevens, I'm sorry, dude. With his wily fingers on the the uh, the record button, just, uh... <laughs> you would think I would do this on purpose, but I swear to God, I'm not, I'm, n- I'm not faking you out, I swear. Like, like a, a DJ on the crossfader, just, uh, um, is that what, is that a thing? Kiwi. We've got a fantastic episode for you today. Uh, hopefully just in time to help you really tune out world events and politics yeah. for the next hour of your At life. Least. Uh, and maybe that'll coincide with the uh, the first bombs going off. Just God. sweet oblivion will come. You can, you can go out to the soothing, t- the soothing sound of us being pedantic assholes <laughs> talking about entertainment uh so we've got we've got a, a pretty serious lineup for open discussion we're going to talk about <laughs> talk about some feuds uh we're going to talk about our favorite feud between the rock and the diesel yeah you got something I was, you got something for it no i'm Good. i'm done Got something hot? Um, We're going to talk about an ongoing feud, which we may have mentioned once before or not. I don't really remember. Uh, We did, for sure. I remember. Just in passing, maybe. Okay, cool. Sometimes we talk about things off air, and it's real confusing because I don't listen to the podcast, and then uh, it's really up to Brian to kind of like be in charge of organizing us and remembering all that stuff, so... uh, we're going to talk about a feud between Redbox and Disney uh, is what I was going for there. Two powerhouses just going at each other's throats. And then we're going to talk about the feud between Tom Holland's junk and my eyeballs. <laughs> or, or the lack thereof. <laughs> or Disney censorship and, yeah, something like that. Um, Tuckgate. God. Uh, unless I missed anything, we're going to wrap it up with some emails. Woo-woo. No media hot takes this week that was that's it that's Good. all you get i'm glad you did that colin you gotta uh, give the people what they want yeah you know that's that's really what people come come here for is that <laughs> little uh that little sound bite but <laughs> we are gonna finish with a review of a quiet man a dark place um the, <laughs> the a dwight place dwight. Uh, a quiet place written and directed by John, John Krasinski. Oh, I thought you Jim Halpert. Yeah, I just, I, sorry, I'm like already, already over, overdoing it. Um, <laughs> that joke has not been beaten to death, I'm sure. Yeah. Anyway, let's. Where, where should we start? Let's. I think we should talk about the Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong Rock. Oh, okay. I see being called Rock. Uh, my, sorry, that was a weird uh, inflection there. <laughs> is he being called the Rock anymore? I feel like Dwayne Johnson is. It's. Like, yeah, all right, look, fine, Dwayne Johnson. Uh, no, I'm not. Listen, you call him whatever you want. I just, I called him The Rock the other day at work, and I was corrected, and somebody said, "You mean Dwayne Johnson?" I was like, oh, "Really? Okay." <laughs> he doesn't like when you call him The Rock. Yeah. Right. Okay. Anymore. Uh, yeah. So 
we have spent lots of time covering this weird beef <laughs> um, taking place and evolving on the f- set of the Fast and the Furious franchise with, uh, you know, I, back in like 2016. I don't even remember what number it is because it just... I don't really care at this point, but uh, it started out as, I think, an Instagram or a Twitter post with Dwayne Johnson calling out one of his co-stars, not by name, for his behavior on set, and kind of escalated from there, and it became pretty clear that it was Vin Diesel he was referring to. Uh, I know last year, after the most recent film, uh, we read some tweets or Instagram Instagram posts yeah. by Tyrese Gibson weighing in on uh, whose who's side he was taking and Team Jacob, Team, what, team Edward, God, what is uh, Yeah. Yeah, sure. So, you know what I'm saying. Um, with <laughs> lots of confusing spelling and uh, ultimatums. But it eventually came out that I think Vin Diesel and – Dwayne Johnson like didn't even film scenes together. Yeah, basically, he, and he confirmed that in what we're talking about today in the, in the interview that he just had. Okay, where he discussed it. He, he confirmed it. Like none of the scenes are there in together were they actually together. Which I mean, think about that for a second. If you're one of the castmates, you got to be like, come on, guys, this is ridiculous. Like I have to do this scene twice. Like that's <laughs> extra work for me, man. Like. And I'm getting paid less than both of you. Yeah, right. Or at least less than Dwayne Johnson, because who knows how much Vin Diesel's getting paid. It's probably a lot. He's, if, yeah, he probably has money on the back end, though, so. I mean, I like he does, he's not doing anything else <laughs> right. except that Triple X sequel that came out of nowhere. <sighs> came yeah. creeping, shuffling very slowly yeah. <laughs> out, of, out of nowhere. Right. Uh, <laughs> but I guess maybe, maybe some peace has been made. Uh, because The Rock said he just something like he accepts that there's just a fundamental misunderstanding about how movies they how they how movies should be made how they approach movie yeah. making yeah something like that and he is stepping away or something like that it um, seems like he's going to just focus on the the Hobbs um, spinoff with Jason Statham which I can't remember Statham's character what's Statham's character's name Hobbs right. Or wait. I thought that was Rock's character. Oh. Uh. Yeah. I I don't know. Um. Hob- Shaw. Shaw. Shaw Hobbs. Yeah. Hobbs yeah. and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw. I think that's what it's called. It's called Hobbs and Shaw or Shaw and Hobbs. It uh, even sounds like a '70s buddy cop. Yeah. <laughs> like it does. You're right. Movie. You're right. Um. But yeah. So what I thought was interesting from what the rock saying is like, Hey, um, he invited me to his trailer. I went in there and we kind of went at each other for a little bit and left saying like, we're never going to be friends. We're never going to get along. Um, it's easier if I just step away. This is your baby. I'm going to have mine do my thing. Lots, lots and lots of them. Just babies all the time. Yeah. Dropping babies like... I, dude, I mean, The Rock is on pace to have, like, five movies released in the next two years. Yeah, I mean, remember when we looked at his IMDb and there were, like, like, 30 movies in pre-production yeah. or something? 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's going to be just fine, it turns out. Yeah. Uh, he's bigger than your entire franchise. Uh, and... Do you th- well, the real question is, what does this mean? Because who cares? We know what it means for The Rock. Nothing just means he's, you know, doing other movies instead of mm-hmm. Fast and the Furious. What does it mean for the Fast and the Furious? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Well, I mean, la- the last movie <laughs> broke a billion dollars worldwide. Uh, it was one of the the biggest movies of all time, um, top ten, uh, if not top five worldwide. I'm not sure, but it, it was definitely up there. And if – I don't know. I have to think that Jason Statham and The Rock have something to do with that. And if they're not coming back uh, – and, you know, obviously we've, lo- we've lost Paul Walker. So I don't – I is Vin Diesel's star big enough? No. I don't, just yeah, no. I don't it, think so either. I mean part of – I think the only reason Fast and the Furious has been successful is because – of the ensemble nature mm-hmm. of, uh, I mean, who knows? There, there are a lot of things I don't understand, but that <laughs> that seems like part of the recipe yeah. for success at the very least. We'll, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, no, I agree. So, uh, um, I mean, it's it's obviously it's a franchise that neither one of us care too much about, and I think the one of the best parts about it for us is The Rock. I mean, that's my opinion. I don't know about you, but, like, I don't want to speak for you, but... Um, well, I mean, I haven't... S- so that that movie, I think, was like the first one I've really just I've actually sat down and watched mm. all the way through. I know yeah. I've seen parts of, yeah. especially the I, I may maybe I watched the first one when it came out, but I didn't go see it in theaters. Uh, I didn't either. Actually, that's the first Fast and Furious I saw in the theater was this one. I've seen them all. Yeah. Um, but the other six, seven, seven, yeah. I saw at home. And you know the good parts of that movie, Jason Statham and The Rock. And The Rock, yes, right. Yeah. yeah. So, whatever. Mm. All right. Well, now for something completely different. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, lovable, <laughs> lovable media giant Disney, not at all corporate, your co- corporate overlord and master. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, one of the, the many companies they're involved in bullying or... Um, what I don't know what kind of word strong arming yeah, I don't, yeah I guess that's that's pretty good uh, or you know cities entire cities I guess <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> anyway uh, they've been engaged in an ongoing legal battle with Redbox Redbox does this thing where they buy combo packs of films uh, which include a physical copy. And a one-time use digital redemption key or code. They stock the kiosks with a physical copy, and then they sell the redemption code online. And Disney does not like that, uh, <laughs> right? For and the, I mean, it's it's really it's hard. There's we're not going to know their exact motivations, but it likely is tied to them wanting to move into digital distribution. Uh, Yeah, that's a good call. Although, I mean, at a certain point, why don't you just stop selling these fucking combo packs? Like, are they really... I just... I I don't... 
Are they really that important to consumers is what I'm wondering. Yeah, so that's a great question because I've bought maybe two DVDs in the last three years. Yeah. And I've never once used the digital download. Yeah. Like I've never – I mean it's probably a good idea to use it as a backup, but I just – I mean I have a physical copy there. Honestly, who buys DVDs anymore? Like – I just, a, a fucking apparently uh, people do. Yeah, I mean, right. Blu rays, I guess, but. Well, yeah, I guess we should differentiate between Blu ray. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I, I just know that. I mean, I guess I can't speak for everyone, unfortunately. Um, but I don't. I just don't see values in it. I just don't. Well, the other issue is I, I mean, I don't know, but I would. I would guess that whatever digital download you get is a. Highly restricted DRM laden, mm-hmm. you know, not not practical or accessible. No file or file container or you know, there's some whatever. There's some ridiculous, cumbersome. I think what was it licensing Vo- or security is measure? It Voodoo built in. was the, is is the platform. There's I can't remember the platform. Oh, is it really tied to it? I'm a specific almost platform? positive that it's tied to another platform. Ugh. But I don't. I mean, I don't speak from real strength there because I don't know. Because like I said, I've never really used that. Yeah. So I, I, but here's the thing. Over history, over the history of the world, we've seen these kind of lawsuits the courts throw out because if I purchase something, I'm allowed to do whatever I want with that item. If I want to resell it and you're willing to buy it, the government, the courts have said, that's, we really, that's not, we don't want to regulate that. That's part of commerce that is good for the economy. And in essence, what Disney's trying to say is you can't resell your own property. Uh, I mean, they bought this for a fair price. It's not anything that people weren't already doing. This is just a company doing it. That's the only difference. Um, so, I I mean, you have some historical information on, on Disney, which makes me really worried about – it's not that they're ever going to win this fight, but they could – potentially put Redbox out of business in lawsuit by just oh, suing them. Well, all right. So the what what Redbox has argued is that this is clearly covered by the right of first sale, the first sale doctrine, which says that once a copyright holder um, has sold, you know, a reproduction of a copyrighted work, they give up their interest in that that copy or that reproduction mm-hmm. and it's the the purchaser has the ability to not reproduce it but to sell it or do with it as they please what disney argued is that are something in the the terms of service or the disclaimer or on the on the box or somewhere along the way precludes the this this doctrine from being applicable and first round through the court said no uh so disney changed whatever disclaimer or you know terms of use or something involved in uh like purchasing or redeeming this code and they're trying again uh but really they'll keep trying again until you know they win or they it's no longer no longer means anything yeah to them, basically right 
Um, yeah, so there's there's this fun uh, fun little thing in <laughs> copyright law, uh, or in that is taught or discussed in basically the history of American copyright duration called the Mickey Mouse Curve. Uh, and there have been two occasions where Mickey Mouse is within five years of entering the public domain and copyright law changes. Uh, wow. In, yeah. Uh, so the first time was in 1976, uh, and, the second time was in, I think, 1998. So we, we're probably actually getting, we're getting pretty close to the, that time of the, the century for them to go ahead and lobby Congress for uh, a, a change or, or extension in, uh, in copyright duration or you know, renewals or something like that. But, uh, yeah, Disney actually has had more, arguably more influence than any other en- private entity on intellectual property law uh, in the history of this country, at least related yeah. to copyrights. Um, so uh, here's an interesting question, because as you're saying it, like, part of me is like, un- I understand the Mickey Mouse curve. Yeah. Um, I mean, I understand the curve, but like what I mean by that is like, I understand from Disney's perspective um, because Mickey Mouse is universally a symbol, even though it's not necessarily their logo, it's a universal symbol for Disney. Um, and when we, there's, there isn't, I can't, I'm trying to think of something that is equally as old and as recognizable as far as a creative property. A, 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 a creation of fiction and I, I i can't think of one off the top of my head um i i kept thinking of of something along the lines of you know tom sawyer if that was if that was you know if for some reason that the estate kept you know using that extending that to where you know it wasn't a uh, in the public domain or like an old song or, or something along that, that line but it's like Disney is so synonymous with Mickey Mouse that it would be really weird if all of a sudden you know you have random people using Mickey Mouse for different things all of a sudden Mickey Mouse is selling Coke products or something you know or Mickey Mouse is in a cartoon with uh, I, I don't know uh Bugs Bunny or something, you know what I mean? Like, um, so, I, I, I mean, at a certain point, it, you would think that uh, Disney would just accept it or make it somehow part of their logo, right? I mean, because couldn't that, if it's part of their logo, couldn't that cause issues? <sighs> Well, the I mean, you could so you could still you can still trademark things like the logo, but as far as it, as far as the character Mickey Mouse, like the persona of Mickey Mouse, sure, um, he would 
he would enter the public domain and, is the idea. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a tricky one. I don't know. Like, I, 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 I kind of understand. The, the problem is most companies or most, like, people who are in control of, like, fictional characters die or sell off their property to bigger companies long before this kind of thing happens. This is kind of a new thing, I guess, right? I mean, you mentioned the 70s. I don't know. Could you? I couldn't think of another instance where maybe Warner Brothers would be the closest thing with, like like I said, like I mentioned, mentioned Bugs Bunny or, or Daffy Duck or something. Yeah, I. Even then, I mean, that's not that's we're talking about the the Mickey Mouse in the nineteen twenties. Yeah, right. Uh, so no, there's there's not really anything comparable, uh, and that's why <laughs> uh, Disney has, you know, lobbied so hard and so successfully uh, twice to change the way. That's crazy. That's a crazy thing. Work. What do you yeah. think about that? That's crazy I to just, have that for that long. <sighs> <laughs> Almost a hundred years. Yeah, like um, we're we're not quite at a hundred years, but it, it'll if nothing changes, then you know they'll lose it just short of the five years short of the hundred year mark or something like that. But, mm. uh, it's been a long time. I uh, honestly, I I've seen so the argument I've seen to support it is the same argument that supports the existence of copyrights and trademarks and the u.s patent system in the first place which is it's important to protect innovation to encourage you know people to take risks and be able to be rewarded for you know coming up with new products or ideas or things like that at the same time i just i don't really you know what at what point is the system no longer really serving that purpose but just protecting the interest of <laughs> of uh, big, you know, of really Disney specifically, but you know, big media corporations, something like that. Uh, but the 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 issue is the patent system, the patent system, which is arguably much more important for you know technical innovations. Uh, yeah. Also, arguably, just as outdated and problematic but the lifespan of a patent is you know very very short compared to a copyright right but then again you know you or i can create copyrighted work just by creating copyrighted work um or just by creating something novel basically Mm -hmm. uh and obviously you you know it's it sh- it can be more complicated than that, especially if you want to defend something. But really, you don't have to. Wait, I'm I'm yeah. Never mind. I'm getting close to saying things I shouldn't really say. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I just I don't know. I don't know if there's really a strong case for pro- you know protecting Disney's interests in this situation. Sure. Like, I mean, no, no, nobody's gonna use how like how are you gonna use mickey mouse to dilute disney's brand no just, right yeah no I'm you're sure, right you're absolutely know. right and the, the thing with Redbox that i th- and i think we could probably move on but yeah. I, it just to me like i you if you ruled in disney's favor that's a that's a big deal that's a that changes a lot of things so i think the courts are going to be very careful well the the issue is the way they're Again, we and I haven't seen any like you know complaints or anything like that file actual filing, so I don't know the language of uh, 
how they're approaching this, but the courts have also been pretty reluctant to hold up, you know, these purchase agreements and end user agreements and licensing agreements that are just, you know, sort of people consent to without really reading or understanding. Right. Uh, and it seems like that is the route they're trying to go to bypass their, to create an exemption from the the first sale doctrine. So I, I don't know, whatever. If anybody can do it, can it's break, break uh, the system in their favor, it's Disney. <laughs> if anybody so, can do it, Disney can. Yeah. Fun. Uh, yeah. Do you think we should just? I mean, let's just go to emails. I think we don't need to talk about Tom Tom Holland Holland's junk, do we? We really need to talk about Tuckgate. I mean, I've been thinking about it all day. No, it's really a dumb thing. Um, <laughs> I just thought it was kind of funny. I th- I think it's it's ridiculous. I mean, if you don't know what we're talking about, just kind of do some googling. But I think it's ridiculous that people are talking about it. Yeah. It just it seems like they very clearly didn't want to sexualize the character and mm-hmm. whoever. You know, signed on, you know, the, the proofs probably didn't think it through or I don't know, <laughs> just like a weird oversight, probably well-intentioned, yeah. uh, like, but who really cares? I mean, do we want to see a moose knuckle? Like, I just, I'm, I'm just confused. Yeah, and what is, yeah, what is the standard here? Right. And also like the picture, his hips are kind of shifted back. Yeah. So like, <laughs> yeah. I don't, are we just reading a lot into this? It's, Yeah. I don't know. I I think that it's first of all, it's the internet, and people will find something to be outraged about. That doesn't sound like the internet. <laughs> so, um, but honestly, just once the the tweet calling him Peter <laughs> Peter Tuck Parker, I just I loved. It's so stupid. Uh, yeah. But sure. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Okay. Yeah. Do, do you want to read some emails? Yeah. Send us your. Uh... <laughs> Not whatever I was going to say. Emails <laughs> to midnightfilmreview at gmail.com. <laughs> and you you fill in the gap with that hesitation there. You figure it out. Uh, <laughs> midnightfilmreview at gmail.com. Uh, we, you know, still didn't have anyone write in to tell us more about... Uh, what's that movie? About the 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 pop culture references? Oh, you Ray Blair one. one, yeah. Uh, and no clarification there. We just we miss you guys, um, <laughs> except for except for the regulars that always prop us up and keep us going strong every week. But I feel like someday we're gonna get feed. I'm gonna ask a question into yeah. the ether. I'm gonna you know, shout into the void, and a voice will answer me <clears throat> with the information I seek, the knowledge I seek. Yeah, but just uh, keep asking, man. That's all you can do. It's until, like yeah, that's true. Just you keep asking the question, and you'll you will get the answer. Uh huh. Okay. The question. But thank you, thank you to everybody who does email us. We really love and appreciate you. And uh, I didn't mean to do that. So yeah, ring the gong and send us an email. Midnightfilmreview at gmail dot com. All right, I'm gonna. Should I start? Do it. So, uh, regular contributor Adam Etheridge sends us a greeting. With the subject line, blockers, no. Uh, hello, Midnighters. Whatever you do, don't watch blockers. It's the latest in a long line wow. of bland comedies that aren't remotely funny. It's similar in quality to one of last year's most tedious efforts, The House. 
I would probably have loved it if I was a 12-year-old girl, which I'm not. I'm a bitter 42-year-old man. I didn't laugh once. I think I smiled, but that might have been because I let out a cheeky fart. Virtually all the jokes miss, with many inducing a cringe, not in a good way like Curb Your Enthusiasm, but in a bad way like mm, The House. I completely agree with your thoughts on Ready Player One. Bland characters that I didn't care about. Poor performances from most of the fringe members of the High Five. When did they become known as the High Five anyway? Yeah. I'm attempting to think of something positive to say and failing. So here's a picture of one of our cats learning to use a human toilet. (laughs) And failing. (laughs) Keep up the good work, Adam. Oh man, I'm so excited for this picture. (laughs) It's entitled Ray Ray doing a (laughs) poo-poo. If that cat's ever, really shitting in the toilet, I uh, well, dude. no, I can see that there's a a litter. So there's like a yeah, drop in litter litter seat. Uh, That's and he's definitely awesome. got the squinty face of like, don't look at me. This is my time. Uh, but he's a little far back, That's so incredible. maybe maybe he missed. Adam, good luck at all your kitty potty training adventures. Wow, you're a brave soul. Uh, I hope Ray Ray figures it out before too long. That's an incredible picture. Wow. All right. With yeah. a great title. Yes. Oh, is it my turn? I think so. so. Okay, yep, sorry. That's, yep. All right. So, Faithful, the, this is a, a great question, and I appreciate the effort. Um, Will writes in, yo, what up? Hey, Midnighters. Just wanted to know with the – sorry. <laughs> Just wanted to know what movies, what horror movies, sorry, I'm going to restart this. (laughs) You're getting warmed up for... (laughs) Hey, Midnighters. What horror movies that have male characters are actually good? I'm not saying I didn't like A Quiet Place, but just asking the question. Love, Will. What good horror movies have male characters? Have male lead characters. Male leads. Uh, well, I mean, that's a I wow. I never really thought about that, but the majority of like good quote unquote horror movies often have female leads. Well, I mean, the, so the the slasher genre is Alien, Aliens, yeah, Halloween, all those yeah, all the slasher stuff. All the slasher genre films um, are yeah are female protagonist driven for likely for sexploitation reasons uh, probably at a certain point uh i don't know i mean look we can always go back to the shining but which i don't know if you can say shelly devolves characters uh, a lead in that yeah, it's it's pretty kind of it's pretty evenly somewhat evenly divided uh the conjuring films is kind of split split yeah Saw. Um, okay, there's a good one. Saw. Yeah. Um, oh, man, that, that was actually a pretty good question. I'm trying to th- rack my brain here. Um, I just, like, I, I don't know why, but I can never come up with, I have to get, like, a list of competent horror films tattooed on my... <laughs> on your arm? Yeah, somewhere visible, uh, because I just can never remember them on demand, never recall them on demand. Yeah. It's... I mean, The Exorcist is kind of 50-50. I mean, if you can... I don't yeah. know. I mean... Oh, that's a classic. Yeah. That's good. That's um, good. But not, yeah, that's... 
Now, now I'm typing in the the top 100 horror movies of all time just just because I want to list in front of me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I mean, I really liked. Uh, I always get the title wrong. In the Mouth of Madness. It did. It's it's fun. I I don't know if it's super scary. Uh, I mean, if you if you're kind of blending genres with sci-fi, because you mentioned Alien, uh, the Thing. There you go. That's one. Is. Yeah. Jaws, if that's considered a horror movie. Yeah. I mean, yeah. No, I don't think. I mean, it's a th- I guess a thriller, but not really. Rosemary's Baby, Carrie. Uh, man, Scream, Evil Dead. <laughs> uh, man, that's a I, oh, 28 Days Later. There you go. Yeah. Um, Although, again, that it's not – I wouldn't call that a horror film at all. But Horror elements in there. Yeah, there Descent are. is an all-female cast. That's yeah. a horror movie. Yeah, I didn't The Ring. I, man, yeah, I never really realized that, but, like, the majority of these movies are led by females. Or at least have, you know, a pretty mixed – pretty even ratio of screen time for – Female and male leads, right? Maybe, yeah, at yeah. least in my recollection of the films. Yeah, well, at least we have parody in one genre of filmmaking. Sort of, kind of, maybe for the wrong reasons. <laughs> if it's true, come on, prob. Let's be honest, probably for the wrong reasons. Yeah, okay, definitely for the wrong. Thanks reasons. for the email, Will. Sorry, I flubbed reading it. Again, I just have. To, I don't know. I can read. I promise, I can read. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> I'm just going to move on. Um, so we also heard from Drew Masciarelli. Masciarelli, Masciarelli. Uh, subject, Ernest Klein is our generation's Robert Frost. <laughs> oh, sorry. Dear, dearest Brian and Colin, Ready Player One was hot garbage, but Ernest Klein, the author of the book, is the single greatest writer to ever grace the earth. I'd like to share with you this lovely poem he wrote. Uh, you Nerd can't read po- this whole thing. Uh, sure, I can. Oh, God, okay. Nerd Porn Auteur by Ernest Klein. I've noticed that there don't seem to be any porno movies that are made for guys like me. <laughs> All the porn I've come across was targeted at beer swilling, sports bar dwelling alpha males, men who like their women stupid and submissive, men who can only get it up for monosyllabic, cock hungry nymphos with gargantuan breasts and a three word vocabulary. Adult films are populated with these collagen-injected liposuction women, many of whom have resorted to surgery and self-mutilation in an attempt to look the way they have been told to look. These aren't real women, they're objects. And these movies aren't erotic, they're pathetic. These vacuum-headed fuck bunnies don't turn me on, they disgust me. And it's not that I'm against pornography. I mean, I'm a guy, all guys need porn, fact. Like a preacher needs pain, like a needle needs a vein. Guys need porn. But I don't want to watch this misogynist He-Man woman hater porn. I want porno movies that are made with guys like me in mind. Guys who know the sexiest thing in the world is a woman who is smarter than you are. You can have the whole cheerleading squad. I want the girl in the tweed skirt and the horn rim glasses. Benny Finnebowski, the valedictorian. Oh, yes. First, I want to copy your trig homework, and then I want to make mad, passionate love to her for hours and hours until she reluctantly asks if we can stop. Because she doesn't want to miss Battlestar Galactica. (laughs) Summa cum laude, baby. That's what I call erotic. But do you ever see that kind of woman in contemporary adult film? No. 
which is why I'm going to start writing and directing geek porno. I shall be the quintessential nerd porn auteur, and the women in my porno movies will be the kind that drive nerds like me mad with desire. I'm talking about the girls that used to fuck up the grading curve. The girls in the Latin Club, the National Honor Society, chicks with weird clothes, braces, four eyes, and 4.0 GPAs, brainy, articulate bookworms with Mensa cards in their purses and chips on their shoulders. <laughs> My porn starlets will come in all shapes and sizes. My porn starlets will be too busy working on their PhDs to go to the gym. Oh. That was a reading of Nerd Porn Autor by Ernest Klein. All right. Uh, where? What are we doing? Drew goes on to say, I totally understand if you don't want to read that on air, but it moved me to tears and I figure I should share it with you guys. Please have Brian read the remainder of this email if he already isn't reading it. The sixth thick, the sixth, six shake, six sheep sick, Drew Mascherelli. The sixth, six shakes, six sheep sick. Am I supposed to read that? Yeah. The sixth, six shake, sixth sheep sick. <laughs> the sixth. The sixth six 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 sheep sick. <laughs> the sixth six sheep six six. Oh, you're so close. <laughs> Screw you, Drew. I'm not reading any more of that. You got like four four out of six. <laughs> what the hell was that email even? Drew, about? thank thank you for the fascinating oh, email. Oh my god. And we did say we would. Read your emails live recorded on the air. So I hope you enjoyed my dramatic rendition of that questionable poem by Ernest Klein. <laughs> questionable. Um, <laughs> mm. Oh, man. What is this? What do we do? What is this podcast about? I don't know. I'm going to put that on the Facebook. The war, so you know. the war, are we talking about the war in Syria? Donald Trump? <laughs> talking about nerd porn, dude. Oh, yeah. Nerd porn. Okay. Oh, I want to chick with a Mensa card. You want to watch her achieve things. Thank you, Drew. Thank you for making uh, this podcast work. And thank you, everybody who listens, everybody who writes in, and everybody who hasn't written in yet. Yeah, MidnightFilmReview at gmail.com. We'll be right back with a spoiler-free review of A Quiet Place. And we're back with a spoiler-free review of A Quiet Place. I was thinking that we should review this movie in sign language. Uh, yeah. That's, uh, that's a good one, Brian. It's <laughs> a good one. I thought it was. <laughs> God, Colin. What, what would our, I mean, what would our blind audience members do? Oh, yeah. true. Well, I guess we'll just close caption Let, Let's just, let's just stop. Let's just, we gotta. <laughs> All right. A Quiet Place is, as far as I know, John Krasinski's directorial debut. It's not. It's not. Oh, wait. He's... All right. Well, I know he has... Oh, God. <laughs> the Hollers. Yeah. Uh, so, did you look at the cast of The Hollers? It did not get good reviews, but Charlotte Copley, Charlie Day, Richard Jenkins, Anna Kendrick, Margo Martindale, Randall Park, John Krasinski, 
I've never even heard of the hollers. I, I hadn't either. I literally when I like when we took a break, I was taking a leak. Yeah. And uh, I, I was like, I pulled this up, and I was like, holy crap, the hollers! This is a great cast, and it's, but apparently it wasn't very good. Yeah. Well, okay, so this is not John Krasinski's directorial debut, but let's just pretend it is. Yeah, I agree. Uh, written by Brian Woods, Scott Beck, and John Krasinski, so he's got got the uh, the trifecta here, the trifecta credit. Wow. Yeah, um, and starring John Krasinski, uh, his wife Emily Blunt. Make sure Millicent Simmons, Noah Jupe, and Cade Woodward. Uh, I think that's pretty much. That's it. it. Yeah. I mean, there's maybe one more, you know, person or whatever. It doesn't matter. That that might as well be it. So, this story, uh, really, I don't know. Uh, I, th- I feel like this this synopsis is fine. Do yeah. you feel like it's fine? Yeah. I don't think yeah. that's spoiler. Too no, spoilery. No, no. Okay. So, a family is forced to live in silence while hiding from creatures that hunt by sound. Dun, dun, dun. Well, that's it. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So, well, Brian, what did you think about this film? Let's start there. Okay, Colin. Um, so, in my humble opinion, this is my favorite movie that we've seen this year. I think it's the second best movie next to Annihilation that I've seen this year. Um, I would say that... Uh, it's not perfect by any means. Um, there are a few holes in the movie here and there. Um, but what really surprised me was how much heart this film has. And the the trailer... I've only seen one trailer because I didn't want to really be spoiled by anything. But um, that first trailer came out and uh, it looked pretty straightforward. It looked like a pretty... It was going to be average to good, maybe, um, horror creature flick. But what it turns into is something I think that is important and smart in the way that it delivers the, the fear and the tension. And um, there are some really good performances in this movie. I was worried about Jim Krasinski because um, he I don't think he's necessarily a good actor um you know he played of course jim on the office which is a i feel like was just him being himself and uh that's fine um i was trying to think of movies that i had seen 13 hours that was the one that i was just like that's all we've seen him in it's not good yeah uh and he was re- that was a that i mean uh we you know i think in our review we mentioned like he was fine he's fine but like the performance is just I, it felt like it was miscast. We just also he wasn't even in the movie that much, honestly. Yeah, uh, yes. Yeah. I know he's been in some rom coms. I'm pretty sure that maybe not. I don't know. I uh, thought he had been in some rom coms, but uh, uh, you know he's played bit parts in different movies. It seems like like he's he hasn't had a lot of leading man roles. 
Um, and I, honestly, I think that's for good reason. It's because he just doesn't have that kind, same kind of charisma outside of the Jim Halpert role on The Office. But man, I thought, you know, I really thought he did a great job in this movie. Um, uh, directing this movie, he did an excellent job. The use of close camera shots, the way that the the camera really focuses in on on facial expression, and um, that's the majority of the acting. Because the movie is so quiet and a lot of the dialogue is through um, sign language, uh, the majority of the dialogue is through sign language and facial expressions. It, it has to convey so much emotion and, and warmth and fear. Um, and I thought he did a really good job of directing it. Um, y- you know, um, Millicent Simmons, uh, is that, is that right? Millicent, yeah. Um, her, so she is a, a deaf actress and, um, I think she does a very serviceable job too. I think she's excellent. Um, yeah, I, I really appreciated all the performance. Emily Blunt too. Emily Blunt as, uh, the mom was great, but really this movie, I think, the direction of this movie is what really stands out to me and his ability to get just the right shot and use sound to mean like we've talked about movies in the past like don't breathe where sound is is supposed to be uh, an important feature in this movie or um what was the the movie uh, lights off or something where you have these you have it's they're kind of like uh, what what's the word what am I looking for here, Colin? Um, niche inside of genre films where like you try to u- do these like tricky cool things with different like sound or light or you know whatever. Um, but this movie actually pulls it off I've, because you are holding your breath the entire time. You don't want to make a sound as an audience member because it's so quiet. There's very little score. Uh, there's very little dialogue and it's just you are on the edge of your seat i really enjoyed the experience with you uh and this film this is one of the best experiences i've had with an audience everybody kind of realized like just shut up and pay attention to this movie um and i think that this is a good movie to watch in a theater Um, i highly recommend this movie Uh, my wife doesn't like horror movies she didn't want to see this with me but after i came home i was like I love you. You have to see this movie. We're going to see this movie, and I'm gonna, you know, caveman her to there to the theater if she doesn't bend the knee. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> they but, say chivalry is dead. Yeah, right. So I think there's some problems with the script, but uh, I mean, just he does a great job of covering the holes, and um, you you really care for these characters, and um, I appreciate things like we don't know what happened to the world. We don't know where these people came from. We don't know where these creatures came from. It doesn't matter. Um, we're just we, we, we're rooting for them. And um, yeah, I, I just I can't say enough about how much fun I had in this film. Well, good. I'm glad you had a good time, Brian. Yeah. So this is, again, based on the trailers, it kind of looks like a by the numbers film. Uh, it's not, but at the same time, I don't really feel misled by the marketing. No. What, what we ended up with is a film that is both a genre film, uh, and also a kind of a deconstruction or maybe an examination of 
arguably the most important element in horror and suspense uh, and a film that is built around that built around a conceit that is just conceit that was the word I was looking for sorry it's okay uh, brilliantly conceived and executed um, I think as far as performances go I think everyone did a great job with the exception of John Krasinski who I just again I'm not like I almost feel like he couldn't possibly be as bad as I think he is but he was okay in this role uh, he was competent uh, bet like he did a serviceable job uh, Emily Blunt is so much more talented than he is <laughs> yeah. it's a little yeah. embarrassing but if this film is any indication he might be an excellent director mm-hmm. there are there is some great, great camera work in this film, uh, but what what really? It, it's not often that I watch a film and I am just blown away by the quality of the editing. Yeah, and you don't get there without great direction and a solid a solid script too. Uh, and this this film just it takes an idea and it just delivers on it a hundred percent this is it a great movie it's the second it's the second movie i was i've really been excited about this year uh and it's just it's only one of the the most the most interesting things is it's only 90 minutes long mm-hmm. it does not it, it feels like it it feels like a much longer film uh and just the the tension and the use of sound in this film is is fantastic it's it's masterfully done uh and again like you mentioned other horror films have sort of mimicked or aped at something like this uh and this is a fully realized film about sound and the role sound plays in our lives uh and the, the role sound plays in the lives of these characters in a situation where it is the difference between life and death. Uh, so yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, it, you know, the, it's, again, it's not a perfect film. There are some confusing continuity things. Uh, the, the, the narrative backdrop of the film just kind of didn't really Well, yeah, in in one sense, didn't do a, a lot for me, or maybe the the emotional, like arc for the characters that is explored in the in the narrative of this film just didn't do a lot for me. But technically, this film is awesome, uh, and as far as a theatrical experience, like if you don't have just an incredible sound system then you're not going to be experiencing this film the way it was meant to be experienced. So I think if you don't mind being, you know, and I also would, I would hesitate again, this is, has some strong horror elements, but it's also some other genre stuff mixed in there. Um, Some, you know, survivor or post-apocalypse thematic elements going on, but you know, some sci-fi stuff going on too. It's, it's not like, 
it's not a pure horror film. Uh, but if you don't mind being scared, this is just technically and otherwise it's entertaining and it's just a incredibly well-crafted film. Uh, I think John Krasinski should be very happy with the mm-hmm. finished product considering you know, this is the first, it's probably his first big, I mean, did the Hollers get a th- I had never like, heard of it, so yeah. I don't, probably not. Who knows? But anyway, this was awesome. Um Maybe just uh, direct your wife in some films and uh, yeah, right know. there you go. Yeah, so I yeah go like go see this. This is the second film this year that you need to go see. If you like movies, you can stand being scared. Maybe a little bit of blood. Go see this movie. Yeah, I it's agree. only PG thirteen too. Yeah, right. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> you know, and I understand. Like, there's people who get like I I read I read certain. Um, I read certain critics, and they get really turned off by uh, jump scares. And um, it, I, I, to an extent, I understand it. If you're relying on jump scares to be a scary film, um, that's kind of annoying, you know. Um, that's like a old an old trick that doesn't, you know. A lot of times, it's a signal that your film probably doesn't have quality to it. But I think that the way that he utilizes scares in this, um, there is there is an atmosphere. And when jump scares work, I think I'm thinking of The Conjuring, um, for instance. When you build an atmosphere around uh, the film, then the jump scares are fine. And well, there's there's also I mean, you know that's a valid criticism. There was a lot of this film that operates on just high levels of tension without jump scares yeah. being involved oh no i can think of i can't wait there's, to talk about there's one stretches of the film yeah. that are incredibly tense with no jump scares so that's whatever yeah. Yeah. i'm i'm really excited to talk about this in spoilers with you because there's a few scenes that i i re- really like to uh talk about um and then you know i just i have some questions um about the narrative too uh or, or the rules of the film <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah um but as far as that goes, I mean, the execution is 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 up there with a lot of a lot of other films. I mean, when you set rules like this, it it's hard not to break some of them, just because it's. I mean, you're you're putting your characters in a almost impossible position, but we can get into that. Yeah, I yeah. Yeah, I think it's time for spoilers. Let's do it. So we will be right back with, we're going to get real loud in a quiet place, yo. How's, how's that? Good. All right. What? Honey. Wow. Are you kidding really? me? You just ruin it oh, every oh. time. I'll see you at home. Well, wait so a second. Rude. Now, how would you not know that that was taking place? And we're back with spoilers for a quiet place. Spo- so <laughs> I want to talk about, so let's talk about like some of your favorite scenes in this movie. Um, one scene that really, really messed with me is when, um, the water starts coming yeah. into the basement mm-hmm. and we see that freaking thing go underwater. Yep. I, I lost my mind. I knew I and, lost my mind. Already knew what scene you were going to say. Yeah. I was just like, holy shit. It's under, I, I'm kind of getting anxious right now. Just talking about it. That, that was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, even like the design of the way it went, it goes underwater. Yeah. Oh man, and yeah. she's slowly putting her feet into the water. Oh mm-hmm. man, that scene. There, well, and I think there, 
there's some great details, like the fact that the monsters don't just hunt by sound. They also are some, they like disturb EM fields somehow, you know, they interfere yes. with electronics, yes. with power generation. There, mm-hmm. There's some sort of electromagnetic shenanigans going on with their presence, which I don't think is, I mean, I'm not a biologist, <laughs> but I don't think is in like totally implausible or impossible and i thought it was an interesting idea that really kind of adds adds a layer of credibility to bulwark against the rest of the 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 parts of the movie that don't really add up uh, if you're examining the rules of the creatures stuff like that but i thought that was a really cool touch um i agree i agree yeah um so the water scene yeah that that scene really got me like i was uh, and, um, honestly, so the scene that the, where the little boy dies, I honestly, I, you know, that is in all the trailers and you just kind of assume that he survives. Yeah. That he makes it out. They're going to play it safe somehow to kill him off within the first 10 minutes of the film. I was like, okay, this is the film we got. All right. I'm down. I like where this is going. Okay. Um, yeah, um, that was to me a ballsy choice. The kill—I mean, the thing is—you you kill the littlest one, like that. That's ballsy. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's what happens when you disobey your mom and dad. <laughs> the creatures come and they snatch you. Yeah, there you go. If I have a kid, I'm going to show him just that scene in the movie. Yeah, that's no. That's ex- it's a great parenting tool. <laughs> just. <laughs> I, you want to know what happens when you play with toys and I tell you you can't have? That's what's going to happen. That's what happens. <laughs> God, that's such a brilliant, brilliant comment. Yeah. Thank you for the parenting advice. Yeah. Uh, so, what You're are welcome. some scenes that you loved? I, I really thought the descent into the climax of the film was beautifully choreographed i i loved the mm-hmm. the characters are there are three sets of characters in different places and experiencing but but really emily blunt's kind of side of it uh being hunted and mm, so know, good she's the cat and mouse game that's going on there yeah, yeah. so good um there there's just some a couple great shots uh the bath you know the bathtub shots are fantastic uh and you know her little, her little misdirections. Uh, it's just, and you know the the rest of the family arriving back and the the timing with the mm-hmm. the fireworks. It's 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 a great it's a great sequence of kind of building scenes. Um, and I feel like the they keep the tension too thick. Without they do give a reprieve. It's not they're not. Again, there's like there this is a great film. They don't make any huge mistakes. I think they just didn't back off in, enough before we moved into the fin, the final the final act. Yeah, that climax the final is elements. Long. That, yeah. It's you just you don't really you, you're not allowed to recover and it I mean I understand from the perspective of the screenplay why it doesn't really make sense, you know. They're not out of the situation. It's yeah. They're still in the shit. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say that was, and and obviously her waking up, uh, 
wow, John Krasinski's going to look for the kids and the things there and everything's flooding and um, it was great. One other than the rules of the creature, uh, oh, and the the scene the scene with the guy in the woods, I thought that was great uh, too. That was, um, yeah, the the ambiguity of you know what what happened, but then at the same time understanding that you know without her, this guy had nothing to live for mm-hmm. and. Uh, And there's some interesting, other interesting details, like the fact that there are other families and they communicate with one another. That was really cool. That was a cool, cool little trick. There's too much, probably too much sand for one, you know, one group of people to just (laughs) deposit it all. And right, yeah, yeah. I I like, I like the detail, uh, the detail added to kind of give the film some more texture than a lesser film would have included. I didn't like John Krasinski's character's death. Mm. Just seemed kind of telegraphed. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it was definitely telegraphed. Um, there's a lot of things about that scene that bothered me. Um, one, the sound of the, tr- of the truck. Um, I realize it's not on, but it's going to make noise going down a gravel road. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we have... I, I don't know. There's just there's little things like that that kind of bothered me in the movie. Um, you know, a shotgun blast to the face kills it. Um, I mean, that was something that the government couldn't figure out. Only well, only when it's having a sonic seizure. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, that's but, believable. But then, well, but then I guess like I don't know. It's just, I, I mean, I guess it's sort of plausible, but it's a stretch. Clearly, like, when they open up their, their ear holes, whatever those, <laughs> yeah. or hearing orifices. Uh, should be able to snipe that, right? You should yeah. be able to shoot in that. But then I guess, you know, so here here's the problem. Like, even if you cannot, even if rifle rounds or, you know, whatever are not penetrating these things, car- carapace. Just like ordinance is going to stop them, like you know, concussion, concussive blast, especially yeah, with armor like that, you know, you're just just going to liquefy whatever's inside there. Uh, and if they're really sensitive to sound, like explosions, I feel like that'd be pretty problematic. But right at the same time, they're also pretty fast and sneaky, and you know, strong enough to. They have claws that can puncture, like you know an inch of steel plate yeah, apparently. Right. So, you know, maybe they could have killed everybody before we really got, got our shit I, together. I guess, I guess. Okay. So let me just say this. Yeah. I don't have a problem with them. Just like with these monsters being semi indestructible and destroying this world. My big issue comes with like them, not knowing a weakness, like them, not having a weakness or known weakness and her stumbling upon it through her hearing it. I, I get that idea. Um, and I think that, but but here's my thing. I feel like there should have been a known weakness, and when it when there was only one of them, maybe they could take it down. But when there was multiple of them, that's when it became problematic. Maybe like them working as a horde would have been a better way to to do that. I I don't know. I just well, they, I mean, again, like these people are kind of in a remote area. Maybe there is a known weakness, but it doesn't really okay. matter because that's fair. 
humanity's already overrun and there's there's no communications left. I guess my bigger question was like even if i accept that these things have and again we're just we're just talking shit now like yeah, this is yeah. not criticism like the film's good we're you know i'm i don't really have anything else to criticize per se about the film uh but all right even if i accept that these things have effectively reduced humanity to a handful of pockets uh, they just like kill and eat everything like there wouldn't be <laughs> yeah. any there wouldn't yeah. be any wildlife left like yeah they'd just be snatching squirrels out of trees yeah they're <laughs> like, not I discerning just, at all about yeah yeah i just uh i feel like it'd be in pretty quickly and they could swim apparently like yeah right although i don't know what do you think you think a great white shark could could take on a, a whatever. Well, we don't know how, how like the oxygen level too. I mean, I don't know. If yeah, it pulls them down. I don't know. That's true. Maybe they can be drowned. Yeah, there you go. We don't yeah. know. Uh, I do have. So there is one thing that kind of bothered me in the film that I want to bring up. Yeah, it's so small and like I feel like an asshole for bringing this up, but the nail on the step, uh, that really bothered me, like. How is there a nail in the middle of a board sticking straight up out of the step? Like, the clothes bag gets caught on it. Yeah. And I just, it was just so convenient. It felt so convenient for the plot and to cause our main one of our main characters to stress. Uh, I just felt like there was a better way to do it. I just didn't have a nail sticking straight up. Like, that's not how steps are built. That nail would not do that in any way. If you built if you built a step like that, you're a shit carpenter and you're an asshole because you're asking for someone to get hurt. Um, you don't ever nail a, a board from the bottom. Let me just especially on steps. So, anyways, that just it kind of bothered me for a minute, but whatever. It was gruesome and it added a level of tension to the, to the movie and I, I appreciated that aspect of it. Yeah, I feel like it was I don't know, it's I understood, I so I don't mind the idea of kind of audience signaling in that way, like here is this piece of the puzzle that is the small thing that we are showing you that you understand will be a the undoing of this character mm-hmm. or you know, come back to cause, precipitate something yeah, you know, I don't, I don't mind that so much, but yeah, I guess it is, it is just kind of a little. They, they probably could have found a <laughs> a better way to to do that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, in my opinion, I mean, like, I again, it does, it didn't affect me enough to take me out of the film. I just when it happened, I was like, what? It, 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 it gave me an eye roll. Is mm-hmm. basically what it did. Um, but that whole scene and there's so much happening. It's just so good that, like I said, I brushed it off. And then like just her having to pull her dirty foot off that nail. All I could think of was like, dear God, I hope they have tetanus shots in that pharmacy or in the doctor's office somewhere in town. She's got tetanus. Yeah. You, you ever see the movie? Um, um, 
oh crap i can't remember what it's called the day after tomorrow um with jake gyllenhaal the um nope cut no nope. uh, one of the characters cuts cuts their leg on a piece of metal and they get tetanus like in two hours and uh <laughs> and then of course the, their world's ending so they have to find a way to stop the tetanus from killing her um and that's all i could think about when she stepped on that on that nail was hopefully she had her tetanus shots yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like, yeah. I mean, I guess tetanus. So tetanus lives in like dirt, like dirty metal. Mm-hmm. So. Her foot was pretty dirty. Yeah. Though. They're all pretty, they're all barefoot and walk around. It could be. Yeah. But th- there's this misconception that like a piece of rusty metal, it's like the rust that's yeah. going to give you tetanus. Yeah. And that's just kind of like. Right. Right. Dirt, right. Dirty metal. There yeah. you go. Mm-hmm. Um, Whatever. What did you think of the last shot of the of the movie? The last, I you know, it's it's like, I feel like it was cheesy. It but was, at the same time, it was a little, again, a little wink to the audience, a little catharsis. Like, I agree. Time to time to rock and roll. I'm glad they didn't show her killing a bunch of them. Like, yeah, made it that way. Like, it, for the type of movie it was, it seemed a little out of char- out of character for the movie. It does. It it is a it is a tonal a break in tonal consistency at the very end yeah. but it's it's you know i liked it though yeah i really did like i think it was just enough like if you would if you would, if you went like video game style like just going through and just murking these things that would have been awful but leaving that to your imagination or like kind of setting it up is like we have confidence now that we can i I'm, i can do a better job protecting my family well it's it's not only that it's i think it's you know it's just it's do or die so the the daughter cranks up the the output to maximum on this you know I don't know if I guess it's a radio radio transmission broadcast and that's like let's do it you see them you see them swarming in and mm-hmm. it, you know it's yeah. just a it's it's a fun way. It's a fun way to go out, I guess. It is, yeah. I, I, to, I agree. To end the film, um, I agree. And, and still somewhat ambiguous, you know. Yeah. They. But you can't. You can't have her just like fire a, a twelve gauge, and <laughs> not just every one of these things descend so, on them. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad they did. Yeah. Because yeah. Right. Uh, I also love that because she's like. Uh, you know, I have to kill this thing and I don't care. Like we'll deal with whatever the consequences are. Like this is the most important thing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, one other thing. So sorry. <laughs> it's I okay. And I don't want to, I'm not trying to be nitpicky yeah. here. Um, and I actually think that <clears throat> they did a good job of maybe explaining why this didn't happen. But when I find out she's pregnant, I'm thinking to myself, like, one, why didn't they use condoms? Two, um, you know, if they have access to a pharmacy, why wouldn't she try to find some sort of, like, abortion pill or something? Dude, they had the kid on purpose. That's why. Oh, you think they have the kid on purpose? Yeah, it's a replacement baby. Well, that's kind of stupid, in my opinion, to have a replacement baby in this world where, like, noise, like, is, means death. And yeah, but you, I mean, not having babies means death too. I mean, uh, well, you know, that's true. Okay. Well, I just, when then when they started praying at the table, I was like, okay, maybe they're just, if for religious reasons, they're not ending this pregnancy. Um, 
No, I think it was the the timing makes it pretty clear that you know they want another okay. kid. That fair enough. I, I'll buy yeah. that. I'll buy that. I still think it's stupid. Uh, I'm just going to tell you right now. If these uh, attacked right now, I'm not knocking on my wife. There's, I mean, there's no, there's no like scythe demon creatures roaming the streets now, and I still don't want a kid. So, I, you know, you don't have to sell me. I'm good. I'm good on that. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I'm like the one thing that can't protect itself. All it does is eat, poop, and cry, and. Um, yeah, that seems like a huge liability in this world. Hope it's smarter than the last one. <laughs> oh shit, Colin. All right. Yeah, a quiet place. Um, I liked it a lot. Good job, John Krasinski. Yeah, great job. Hey, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Before we we head out. Uh huh. Um. So you said that it was like your second favorite. Is Annihilation in that, or is it Black Panther? What? No, Annihilation. I said one of two great films. Great films, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know if you considered Black Panther a great film or not. No. I mean, we both were favorable in the review. Yeah. I mean, to me, it was. It was good. It was... uh, It's... It's... It's it's hard to talk about in such a straightforward way, but I enjoyed it. uh, But I wouldn't call it a great film by any means. Um, Right. Okay. It's good in some ways and... Very lackluster and confusing in other ways. Oh, yeah. But it was, so we're on yeah. the same. Wow. Very. I don't know um, if we've been this on the on if we've been on the same page this much um, in our careers of being uh, part of the Midnight Film <laughs> Review. Yeah. Um. Yeah. To. I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy with the film so far. The first quarter, I've been really uh, happy with most of the films we've seen. It's been. It's been okay. I feel like uh, we've had some, like higher highs. Mm-hmm. at this point but i mean dude i had to watch tomb raider so you know <laughs> it's gonna take a lot to to wash that taste out of my mouth and insane you had to watch insane too i mean insane was I, I didn't i didn't hate insane it's just it felt like it didn't feel like a film made for the sake of art right it felt like a film made for the sake of ego or you know Technical yeah. accomplishments, right. or you know, whatever proof of concept or something. Proof but of concept, yeah. Seriously, uh, yeah. But I didn't hate it. It just wasn't a good f- film on its own merits. Yeah. Or a great film. Yeah. yeah sure. I don't know, whatever. Sure. But Tomb Raider. <laughs> let's just not even go there. That old chestnut. Uh, yeah. So I mean, and we have coming up in the next few weeks, we have Rampage, which I know that you are just ecstatic about. So we're going to review that. No, I'm actually. You know, based on the promo, I feel like it could be fun. It could be a really fun action romp that doesn't take itself too seriously. It could be just, you know, steaming, forgettable uh, Hollywood tentpole blockbuster garbage, but it could be really fun. I, I, no, I agree on both those accounts. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, no, I'm actually kind of looking forward to seeing it. I'm not going to lie. Um, but there's also like two other movies that, um, are not wide release that I am getting excited for. Um, one is uh, the Joaquin Phoenix. Um, what I, I always forget the name of this movie. Um, do you know what I'm? You know what movie I'm talking about? The you'll never know I was here or something. Like, I, I'm trying to yeah, find it. Right you were now. never really here. Uh, no, that was that. That's not it. Um, oh, son of a gun will have big fun on the bayou. 
What? You were never really here. Yeah, that's what you said, right? Yeah, that's what I just said. You were never here. You were never really here. Yeah. So. <laughs> <Dick>. uh, <laughs> no, not that. Uh, yes. So you were right. Colin was correct. But anyways, yeah, I'm really excited to see that movie. I don't know when it's coming to Cincinnati. Uh, and then there's a movie. Um, it stars um, Martin Freeman called Ghost Stories that I guess had really good reviews from festivals. Um this you know earlier this year and uh it's a it's a horror movie that uh i'm looking forward to seeing ghost stories so you know i don't know when uh you know any of that's coming out but well i mean there there are just some big releases uh yeah i didn't even mention you know avengers or deadpool 2 deadpool 2 or but there is i mean are we gonna see super troopers 2 is that what we're I don't know. Maybe is that it? There, so there's a after next week, like, uh, I guess the week of four twenty. Yeah, Friday four twenty. Well, that's yeah. I mean, I would. I mean, I listen. I loved the first Super Troop. Were you a fan of uh, Broken Lizard at all? Uh, I, I feel like they worked really hard to destroy my. Almost immeasurable goodwill after Super Troopers. Really? I, you know, I enjoyed Beer Fest, but. I feel like they had one great idea and a bunch of <laughs> not great, a bunch of. Can I, I tell you know. a secret? Yeah. I loved Club Dread so much. That movie, for some reason, just tickled me. And I know it's not a good movie. I know most people don't think it's funny. But Bill Paxton doing the um, the Coconut Pete. Yeah. I just. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's just, I feel like Super Troopers was an original idea, and then they did some weird genre parodies. Yeah. Uh, so Slam and Salmon and Club Dread. Yeah. And then Beer Fest was a return to yeah. roots, I think. Yeah, I and I, I enjoyed Beer Fest for what it was, but I just, I feel like, I don't know. Nothing ever lived up to Super Troopers for me, but that could be just me. I, you know, I, I can't say that any of those other movies are on the level of Super Troopers. Super Troopers was, I think, for people our age, college age, that was like, I mean, that was a hit. The, I just, it has maybe the most iconic opening scene of a film yeah. of all time. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's so good. So good. <laughs> I, I mean, I could, if I really tried, I could probably quote with like 80% accuracy that whole scene. <laughs> can't own the water man <laughs> it's god's water <laughs> pull over i already pulled over i can't pull over any further uh classic movie yeah so i mean uh, listen i'm all for seeing super troopers too i just don't have a whole lot of faith that it's going to be good i don't either but whatever there's nothing else that we can but we can, we always have a you know a reserve to dip into and we'll just we're just gonna lie to your face and you know not do whatever we say and right and we can always see truth or dare <laughs> truth or dare god that what a yes <sighs> what a horrible looking movie uh somebody said um and then we i guess we can go <laughs> yeah we're just rambling now somebody said that it's the worst blumhouse movie 
of all time. Dude, that is a high that was or a really guy. low bar, depending on your perspective. <laughs> a low high bar. Yeah. Um, all right, let's let's get out of here. Okay. Uh, thank you for listening to Midnight Film Review. We will catch you on the flip side. Okay. Bye.